0: Back in Exodus, okay, so Exodus, I'm going to read in chapter 3 of Exodus, this very famous story that took place. Exodus chapter 3, as ever, I'm reading from the NASB, so if you're reading from a different translation, it'll vary maybe one or two words, but not very significantly. Okay, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush wasn't consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush isn't burned up? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. He said, don't come near. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite the Amorite, the Perizzite and the uh, the Hivite and the Jebusite now behold the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me furthermore I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them therefore come now I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people the sons of Israel out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. He said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. And Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I'll say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Father, thank you so much for your presence with us. We thank you for your favour. We thank you for a release of generosity in our midst. We thank you for putting a vision before us. We thank you for our feeling we're on a journey with God. The Excitement that we're not merely turning over the wheels. We are walking into your plans together. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now we ask please Holy Spirit would you come would you be our teacher would you open the eyes of our heart to see truth to let truth get into our inner man to bring about fruitfulness for your glory so come right now Holy Spirit we depend upon you lead us into truth we pray Father in Jesus name Amen. Amen. So we've looked, first of all, at the statement in Hebrews that by faith Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We saw the strange providence that this boy was born at a time when children were being just destroyed. And this one boy was preserved. It says the faith of his parents set that ball rolling and then they had to hand him over. He, when he reached maturity, made a choice. Do I give myself to this magnificent city of Egypt, this nation with its culture, its strength, or do I give myself to this supernatural vision, this promise that we are a special people, that God has entrusted us with international implications, something that's unseen, unknown, and it says by faith he refused all the power and prestige of being Pharaoh's daughter's son, all that that meant, and numbered himself, with this despised slave people who believed they were special in God's eyes. Then we saw last week how, though that was his motivation, though he'd seen uh, some big issues in his heart, actually the way he did it was really not good at all. And we saw that he had this reputation for being mighty in word and deed. was a forceful young guy. And he tried to simply bring the energy that he had in himself to do the job. And supposing his brothers would understand he was providing Egyptian. And they turned on him and said, what are you doing? Who made you a ruler over us? And he ran for it. And we saw how just using human power, being moved by needs rather than being moved by God, running ahead of God, really doesn't get the job done. And so for 40 years now, he's been waiting In the desert. And all that self-confidence has been drained out of him. All that mighty in word and deed is gone. For 40 years he's been looking after a few sheep. And then the story picks up again. It's all just in a few chapters, but it's a wonderful story of God's. And I want to just talk today about, first of all, God's consistency. All right? God's consistency. That's where we're starting. We just need to remember that in the end this is God's story. The whole Bible, though it's 66 different books, is God's story, God's plan. From Genesis to Revelation, it's a wonderful story. We need to see the Bible in those terms. And although God is revealed in a lot of dramas involved with individuals, and the stories are amazing how God just picks up with this person, and you read his story, and and you can just look at the person. In fact, God is happy to be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is revealed as he relates to people. So, you know, it doesn't say, it's not like that. It's like, God spoke to this man, and this man responded to him. And he proved God and this happened to him and God did that. And so we meet God in the context of people's lives, which is so helpful for us because that's how we get to know God. We get to experience him. He comes into our life. He answers our prayers. He disciplines us. He challenges our faith. He takes us on. And we, we have our story. We have, the, we have this incredible privilege that we've got our stories. And God is happy to have this name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These ordinary guys, some of them very ordinary. And he's very happy to be named in this kind of way, that God is a God who initiates relationships. So God starts these stories. God came to Abraham. It doesn't say in the Bible Abraham was seeking God. It says he was an idolater. He's just a pagan. And God came to him. And, and then, he, then he has Ishmael and Isaac. But God doesn't come to Ishmael, he comes to Isaac. And, th- and then he doesn't come to Esau, he comes to Jacob. And then he doesn't come to Reuben, he comes to Joseph. It's like God God initiates things. And dear friends, if we're believers, it's not that Jesus said it so plainly, you didn't choose me, I chose you. It's a phenomenal privilege that God said, I'm going to write a story with you now. I'm in- I'm inviting you into a story we're going to do some story together and you know it's not just the God of Abraham it can be, it can be the, the God of George <laughs> the God of Pauline the God who's come into my life and, and is happy to be known and, and in a personal way and you look back and you can see how God has led and God has been in charge so these stories one after another you suddenly see Hannah and she's crying to God and, and God comes to her and makes a promise to her you see a little boy called Samuel, oh, he's very young. Very young. God starts in, talking to him. So you see these stories, one story after another. And here Moses is going to hear from God personally. Just to remember again, this story starts with Abraham really. We've, we find that God judged the world at the time of the building of the Tower of Babel and God scattered the nations. God dealt with them because he told them to, to, to fill the earth and they refused. They said, we'll build a name for ourselves. And God scattered them and multiplied the languages. And then the very next chapter he starts to call Abraham and says, right, through you Abraham Abraham, can you count the stars? Through your children, your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But that's the Bible story, that's the underlying, there's lots of stories that happen, but the big story is this, God is determined to bless all the families, all the clans really, that's what it means, all the clans of the earth, all the ethnic groups, really all the language groups, God is determined to bless all the families of the earth. And then the Bible says this, when when this when this gospel of the kingdom has been preached to all, all the ethnic groups, then the end shall come. It's a story with an end. It starts with one man. It grows from one man to a family. So this family, he has a son, a son, 12 sons, and wives and children. They all go down to Egypt, like a large family, about 70 of them actually. And then while they're in Egypt, they become a nation. One man, a family, a nation, they come out. It's two million people. But God's ultimate goal is this extraordinary thing. An international family of every tribe and tongue and nation and people. I had the privilege of being in Dubai just a month or two back ago. And and you just get a church there and there's like 50 nationalities in that church. Dubai being an unusual city, although London is pretty unusual now, eh? but just that—it's all these different nations and we've got 30 churches in the Ukraine we've got churches where you've got Russians and Ukrainians standing next to one another saying we love you Jesus and all around there's tension and hatred and fear and there's Christians saying we love you Jesus but you, he's a he's Russian, yeah I know he loves Jesus like I do and God's going to make this international people where everything else becomes secondary because Jesus is king and all the hatred and all that suspicion is secondary. We just need to keep praying for our dear friends out there. We've been in touch quite a bit. There's tension, there's fear, there's drunken soldiers firing guns. It's the news we're hearing. But in the churches, we can, we can be a sign and a wonder. Because that's God's ultimate goal. And God wants a people from all the peoples of the earth that 's that's, that's the story starts with one finishes, and it says the end of every tongue, every language singing to the lamb that 's the great story, but the story unfolds with this person and now now this key person comes through, and then David comes through, and then so the plan unfolds one by one, so here Moses is going to hear from God because in the end it 's god 's mission it 's god 's mission before it 's ours it 's not Lord. Jesus, we've got a tremendous plan. We want to bless Kingston. Can we get you interested? It's not our mission. It's God's mission. It's like I've got a great plan for Kingston. Can I get you interested? See, God's passionate. He's drawing us into His plan. some of us, some of us, gave sacrificially this last week or two. What happens? God tapped you on the heart and said, "Would you come involved? Get involved with my plan with me?" It's a work of grace. God changes our hearts. The, the fear of letting go. The, the, the natural cling on. I of hold on to this. No, no, I'll give it. What on earth happened? God's passion to glorify His name touched your heart. The one who's writing the story included you in. It's a massive privilege. It's His story. And He brings people in. He brings people in. But He wants a people. A man called Alan Stibbs said this. The chief aim of God in creating man, was to have a people of whom he could say, I am theirs and they are mine. There is in Scripture no phrase more frequent or more fundamental than this. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. That's a recurring statement that goes right through the Bible. I will be to them a God, they will be... God wants a people, he wants this massive family. And he's about that work. And so he will call people into his purpose. Israel existed for the sake of blessing the whole world. So Moses begins to have the consistency of God. God's consistency is going to catch up another man. So first of all, God's consistently. My second heading is God's compassion. God's compassion. Well, we've already met Moses. Uh, We see how he blew it. He went out and killed an Egyptian. You know, I'll beat these Egyptians one by one. It's not really the way it's going to happen. And then he tries to knock a few Israeli heads together. And he really has messed up. And uh, he was impulsive. He was self-sufficient. He may well have been proud, thinking, I can do this thing. And he became confused, scared, and ran for his life. He is really spoilt goods. He's not like a fresh young David. Actually, he's, he's 80 years of age by now. This is no boy. This is a guy who's got some history, who's not done well. And again, it shows us what God is like. We've been singing this morning. I hope you love this theme amazing grace, this is amazing grace I can't stop singing songs like that Uh, this is amazing grace that God gives us another chance he's constantly giving people another chance and here we have it in Moses he understands our frailty dear friends he starts with us he saves us in a moment he declares you righteous as a gift then he starts working on you he loves you just as you are but he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. He wants to keep changing us, changing us, changing us. And so here's Moses. And, and God doesn't despise his, his initial state. He wants to serve God. But he gets it so wrong. Maybe you feel you've got some history. You say, oh gosh, I didn't do well. Has God written me off? Sometimes we get to that. Have, have I been, has God just shunted me into some backwater? Has he finished with me? Well, the Bible would say again and again, that's just not his way. It just isn't. You find again and again that God starts again with people. You think of Elijah. Elijah said, Take my life. I've blown it. I'm finished. He's just praying the suicide prayer. You don't get much lower than that. Just take my life. I think I'm a waste of space. And God comes to him and starts waking him up. What are you doing here, Elijah? And gives him fresh commission. He comes to us again. He comes to Jonah. Jonah was an absolute waste of time. And it says the word of the Lord came again to Jonah. The word of the Lord comes comes again. But I had it and I missed it. No, no, here it comes again. God speaks again. He doesn't just abandon us. When Jonah, you know, God says, go here. And he says, no, I'm going there. It doesn't say the next verse, call Amos. Goodbye, Jonah. No, it's God keeps after Jonah. In fact, the whole story of the book is God's compassion for the man. He's got, more, he's got as much compassion for the man as he has passion for the city of Nineveh. God has as much appetite to bless you as he does he wants to bless this whole city. There's a commitment in God's heart that is so beautiful. Even Simon Peter, perhaps one of the most famous New Testament characters, and Jesus says to him, I've prayed for you, Peter. Satan desires to have you. He can sift you. See, we have an enemy. Sometimes we hit a bad patch. We forget the Bible teaches we have an enemy. It's not just me having a bad patch. There's an enemy who's after you. He can get you depressed and then sow seeds into your heart of doubt and fear. So Jesus, I prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. He's already warned him. He says, I'm warning you, pray. And Peter says, well, I'm okay. No, I think you're going to deny me. No, I won't. No, others may. I won't. There's a kind of arrogance in Peter. And that's so foreign to Jesus. Jesus is meek and lowly. And yet he can pick up an arrogant man and still love him. Not think, oh, you're so different to me. Moses, you're so self... Peter, who do you think you are? No, no, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that when you're converted, when, when you're turned around, you'll encourage your brothers. I'm still, isn't God wonderful? He loves personalities that are so foreign to his. And he's still for us. So he's still for Moses. He's still praying for him. He's still going after him, like he did Peter. You see, he's not an employer. He's a father. He's not your boss. He's your father. And there's a compassion in his heart. The story of the prodigal son comes down out of heaven. That's where it came from. Charles Dickens says it's the greatest short story ever written. It came down from heaven. That's God's attitude, that's in there. So this morning, maybe you feel, oh, I don't know, I've blown it. We have a God who, who specializes in people who feel, I've blown it, I've lost my way. I love him, don't you? I think, wow, what a God we found. How kind he is. His commitment to us, his compassion. The story of Moses, who later, later, in the book of Hebrews, it says Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. He's a great hero of the Bible. But he starts as a mess. God's got tremendous skill to rebuild people. So first of all, we've seen his commitment, When we've seen his compassion. Thirdly, God's call. Okay, God's call. Now he comes to this man, who is drained, I would suggest, of all self-confidence. Years looking after a few sheep. He's married a woman who's not part of the people, the special people, Israel. He's out there, so he's found a wife there. He's got two children. It's like, I'm not even in the party. And then God comes to him. God comes to him. And we saw that verse last week, but we didn't perhaps go to the end. It says, God chooses not many wise, not many noble. He chooses the weak and the foolish and the despised. And the last line in that long list is this. He chooses those who are not. You don't get any lower than not. I want to suggest that Moses is like not now. He's gone. It's all over. Forget it. He's come to him and then we find first of all there's this bush that burns now probably it wasn't a strange phenomenon for a bush to suddenly burn if you go to somewhere like Australia or other parts of the very very hot nations where you get these forest fires and very often things just burst into flame there's, it hardly takes a touch because well the heat, the dryness, the intensity it just goes and I guess many would just go up but this one the, the, the extraordinary thing was it burned but it didn't burn out it's not gone up in smoke it's still it's burning it's, why why is this still burning that's what drew his attention. Why is this thing still burning and he goes to look he's just going to have a look before we before we started using alpha. some of the churches used a, a thing called just looking just looking all right he's going to shop sometimes would you and just looking and uh, Moses is just looking. And suddenly, it's funny, as he's just looking, suddenly out of the bush comes a voice. And God's speaking to him. It starts with him inquiring. He's the one making, and then suddenly there's God speaking to him. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's amazing. If you've become a Christian, you've known a moment like that. Maybe you went on Alpha and you were inquiring, asking questions. I remember the night my sister led me to Christ I'm just asking questions what does she mean? I don't understand how can she know she's going to heaven? how can she know our sins are forgiven? what do you mean born again? I'm asking, I'm inquiring, I'm poking and suddenly it's like God speaks to you suddenly hey God I can know God suddenly it changes (laughs) suddenly you're the one being addressed suddenly you think oh wow there is a God. You can know him. For me, the very first night, and I it went on an Alpha. The very first night I heard it, I knelt and said, come into my life. God can come in that easily. And at first, you're just looking. You're poking. You're asking questions. He's looking at this bush. Moses. <laughs> Moses is face to face with God. He's been called. It says this. He hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. He was afraid of God. Now some some Christians would say, "Well, don't go there. No, don't, don't need to fear God. God's very kind, gentle, tender. He's very merciful. Don't don't fear God. Don't need to fear God." Now that's a mistake. The Bible says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." A genuine fear. Now it's not a craven fear. It's not a terror in that sense. In a sense, it's a terror. It's, you see, you are not, this is God who made the whole universe talking to me out of a bush. If you weren't scared, well, there must be something wrong with you. Yeah, he feared. Of course he feared. And, and I feel, we find this again and again in the Bible, that people who genuinely encounter God, I mean, something profound happens, beloved. It's not like, well, I'll serve, and I'll serve the cause. Yeah, I'll come along. It it's really moves into another category. God's in your life. God's in your face. And it's the it's the real God. You're dealing with the real God. The real God's come to you. And the the fear of God is something we're not to brush aside. It says about Simon Peter who was beginning to be around Jesus, and and Jesus, can I borrow your boat? And he preaches from the boat a bit. And they says, Well, I've got caught any fish. Well, I'll just go out this throw the the other side. And and and. This miracle happens and Simon Peter says, depart from me. Get away from here. I'm a sinful man. It's just, that who am I close to here? There's a, there's a fear. There's a, it says what John, in the book of Revelation, he said says, says, I had this revelation. He says, I fell as one dead. I fell as one dead. The Apostle Paul, he's, he's a persecutor of the church. He sees the Lord. He's blind. Can't see anything. You see, it's a dramatic, beloved, it's a dramatic change from, well, I'm observing, I'm in charge, I'm choosing, to, whoa, there's a God I can know. He knows me. He's talking to me by name. You see, if there isn't a basic fear of God, we're still making our own choices, our own preferences. If I want to pass on gossip, I'll pass on gossip. If I want to do stuff I shouldn't do, I'll do it. I'll get forgiven. Hey, when there's a fear of God, I tell you, it affects your life. It's a bottom line of fearing God. It says, Isaiah saw the Lord. And he said, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. It was silence. He's got nothing more to say. It says in Romans, in the New Testament, that God brings us to that place where every mouth is closed. Romans 3.19, he spells it like this: every mouth is closed. It's like, when you've seen God, you speak, Lord. Who am I to speak? See, ultimately, God's not very interested in your opinion. He's not even interested in your humble opinion. (laughs) When when you've met God, your mouth, that's one one of the marks of a believer. Their mouth tends to be closed. They're not forever offering their opinions. Why would they? They've met God. And the fear of the law is the beginning of wisdom. So you'll be quick to hear, slow to speak. The mouth closed. Opinions, forget it. We just want to learn. It's met God. And Moses now is meeting God. He's come to a new place. And he's now, from now on he's going to be God's man. Now he started with this noble thing. I refuse to be shaped by Egypt's values. I, 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 it was a really noble thing as a man. I'm turning my back on that. i am going, going to go God's way. Then he got it all wrong, messed up. And now God's saying, No, actually, I never despised you. I had to shape you. You had to go through this tough patch. But I'm actually shaping you. And I'm calling you. And from now on, because he fears God, He's not really going to fear much else. He doesn't fear Pharaoh. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith, he didn't fear. You see, when you fear God, everything else gets into proportion. Fear him, you saints, and you will then have nothing else to fear. That's what one of the old hymns says. Fear him, you saints, and you will then have nothing else to fear. Everything falls into place. Because while the fear of the Lord is like a rock to stand on, before he was, he was frightened of events. He killed the Egyptians. He tried to sort out some Israelites. And they turned on. He runs away. It's fear. He's dominated by fear. It's, it's, you can just chase him away. From now on, he never runs away again. Because he fears God. And how tenderly God comes to him and says, I am the God of your father. It's funny, I've only kind of spotted that in preparation this week. I always thought, I'm the God of your fathers. But in preparing for this, I'm the God of your father, first of all. It's like, Moses, that story your father and mother told you. It's right, it's true. I'm the God of your father. father. Your father told you. Don't get shaped by Egypt. Your father told you there's a better way with the light of the world I'm, I'm the God of your father then it all goes on to say and and of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob I'm the God of this whole story that's unfolding I am that God and then Moses says to him Look, okay so if you send me he's already said I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob he said now, what is your name? now in in this Jewish time in this, this period, it doesn't mean you know, some, who? Do, what do they call you? It's like, what is your identity? Name means identity. Who, who are you? You're known as because of your relationship with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob but who are you? What is your What is your name? You've had these lovely relationships with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob but who are you? They, they'll say, who are you? It's a massive question really. We'll come back to it in a moment but Jesus said, to his disciples, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who are you? Who are you? And God answers him with this extraordinary answer. I am who I am. I am absolute resourcefulness. I am unlimited capability. That's what it's saying. I am everything you all need me to be. You can't exhaust who I'll be to you. I am everything you'll ever need. It's all in who I am. That's what God is saying. I'm unlimited capability. And when Jesus comes, and it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, God took on human form. Jesus of Nazareth, this is God coming in human form. And he takes this name and he keeps on putting other names to it. So he says, I am what? The true vine. You're just branches. If you dwell in me and I dwell in you, you're going to be very fruitful. I am the good shepherd. You need someone to care for you, to feed you, to lead you. I I am. I'm the good shepherd. You're hungry. I'm the bread of life. So when Jesus comes, it's it's like a prism. There's this white light, It's like a prism, you get woo colours everywhere. And Jesus is saying, Look, I'm I'm everything you need. You need bread, I'm the living water, I'm the bread of life, I'm the resurrection. Lazarus is dead, I'm the resurrection and the life. I can answer that too. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I am. That's what he's telling you. I'm everything you're gonna need later on when Moses confronts Pharaoh, Pharaoh says who is the Lord that I should obey him who is the Lord who is this guy, who is this God I've just been reading an excellent book called The God Who Makes Himself Known which is a book about the book of Exodus and the the author says the whole of Exodus is answering that question who is he well, as we'll soon as we go through this, I, I want to continue with Moses. We're doing three now, but uh, we're going to keep going whenever I'm on my feet, I think. I feel God's really spoken to my heart to take us on a journey with this whenever I speak here. And uh, we'll see later all all these plagues. And and nearly every plague attacks, attacks a false god. You haven't time to get into it now, but you just look under. Oh, I see. They worship that. Yeah, he killed it. They worship the sun god, so he makes it black. He can just blot it out. Who am I? I'm a god bigger than all the other gods. Who am I? I'm a god that can open the Red Sea. I'm a god that can feed you for 40 years through wilderness. The whole of Exodus is telling you, who is this god? Who is this god that I might fear him? Pharaoh says, arrogantly, God says, this is who I am, this is who I am, this is who I am. God making himself known. God revealing who he is. Beloved, who you think God is is a big deal. I don't know about you, but when I do my morning readings, I have a, a notebook, I kind of write stuff down. And I was working through a gospel once, and came up to that question, I think it's in Matthew. Peter, who do you say that I am? And that morning in my devotions, I thought, I'll answer, I need to answer that question. And I just started to write down, who, who do I think he is? And I wrote down, well, I, I don't, he's this, he's this. I mean, just filled line after line after line after line. He's this, he's a forgiver, he's a provider, he's the lamb that took away my sin. He's the victor over death. He, he, wow, who do you think he is? Who do you think he is? It's wonderful to know who this God is. Now Moses, from, that, from the end of this conversation, he's going to be the servant of the Lord. <laughs> he's no longer just a guy having a go. He got a general idea that we're supposed not to be in Egypt, we're supposed to be out and just think, oh, I'll have a go at this. Now, now he's overawed by the authentic God and now he's simply God's servant, which is a very different deal. It's a very different deal. When we know that our, now we're God's servant. So the next word that comes is God's commission. Okay, We've seen God's consistency, we've seen God's compassion God's call he's calling Moses now he's commissioning him I send you you shall say I am has sent me to you no longer his own boss no longer on a private mission now he's under authority a sent one has all the authority of the one who sends behind him And Jesus loved that title, didn't he? It's uh, it's, it's what apostle, the Greek word apostolos means one sent. And Jesus is the great apostle of our faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. He's the apostle. He's the sent one. And in John's Gospel alone, he constantly refers himself as one sent. He have come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I'm I'm under authority. I, I say... What he says to me, I do what I see. I don't act independently. It's my constant desire to do the will of the Father. And that's got to characterize those whom God has called. That we don't act independently. Like Jesus, we're listening for him. We're discerning, what does he want of me? Does God want me to move? Does God want me to take this job? Does God want me to marry this girl? It's not like we're smashed down, but we're always saying, what do you want, Lord? What's on your heart? What? And then, and then when you think, yes, this is God, when you know, yeah, God did open this door, you go through it with such peace and joy. Yeah, God does want me to take this university course. God, yes, I do really. I keep praying about it. I really feel He's opening this door to me. I feel He's putting it in my heart. I do want to become a doctor. I do want to do this. It's something I feel... I didn't arrive at this. I just feel I've prayed. I've looked to God. And I, it seems to me, He's opening this way. When that's the case, dear friends, you go through that door with such confidence. You're here by the will of God. I believe I'm in Kingston by the will of God. It makes a terrific difference. Wow, God wants us here. It's not, a, it's not always the way it worked out. It adds massive dignity to our lives God made it happen God gathered us it was such fun being with the guys the last couple of days it was such fun just getting to know one another a bit more integrating our lives a bit more hey we're in this together and it's more than a club God's got his hand on us God wants something for his glory it adds such massive weight and we'll hit obstacles but that's happened over the years yeah, we've hit setbacks and problems. Yeah, but if God's with us, nothing can stop us, actually. I mean, that's absolutely true. Red Seas, that's okay. Pharaoh's army, no. No, God's with us. And, I mean, it just lifts us. Beloved, we are believers. Right? We're not just churchgoers. It's not a Bible word. Are you a churchgoer? No, I'm church. I'm a believer. What do I believe? I believe what God said. And he said, I won't, I won't fail you. I, I'm commissioning you. I am sending you. And some of us will get scattered. You know, you would go away to university, but if you think, hey, God's really led me. I really feel this. Go with courage, dear friends. God's put me in this set. God's put me in this campus. I'm here for I'm God's representative in these halls. I meet people as I walk through the hall. I'm going to meet. I'm here. God's represent this conversation. Who knows what God's got in this? Because I'm here by a divine appointment. I'm God's representative. See, it adds huge dignity to you. Huge courage and weight. Because we're not independents trying to be religious. God's got all of us. I don't, I'm not, we don't want religions. waste of time. We want to have God gripping our lives, ordering our steps. Amen? That's what we're called for. That's who we are. And so he gets commissioned. I send you. I send you. And then last of all, God's companionship. I love this, don't you? Verse 12, certainly I will be with you. I I mean, I am. <laughs> you got with you. I was singing a little song this morning. I love singing old hymns as well as new ones. And it says, uh, He's a friend of mine, and He with me doth all things share. Since all is Christ's and Christ is mine, why should I have a care? For Jesus is a friend of mine. Why should I have a care? He's a friend of mine. He with me would all things share. So all is Christ's and Christ is mine. Why should I have a care? I will certainly be with you. That's going to mean Red Seas have to go. That means he can feed two million people. It's like, Moses, I've got to carry all these people. No, I'm with you, Moses. I'll feed them, I'll lead them, I'll care for them. I'm with you. I'm in the whole deal. And that's that's how the Gospels conclude. Where the great I am, Jesus... It says now, all authority has been given to me. Jesus has taken on death and beaten it. He's the resurrection and the life. He gathers his little flock. All of them losers. They all ran away. He gathers them again, like Moses, puts courage back into them again. It says now, go into all the world, preach the gospel. I will be with you all the days. I'll be with you. So he said to Gideon, Gideon's terrified. He says, Have I not sent you? I'm with you. It changes everything. So here this guy's heard this wonderful, wonderful words. He will never be abandoned, he'll never be left on his own. God will always be there for him. He can lead a nation. He can be changed from a few sheep, looking after a few sheep, to leading two million Israelites. God says, I'm with you. It's amazing what God can do, eh? And God says, I've called you, I'm committed to you. So, beloved, as we close, have you encountered him yet? See, it it's possible to be here this morning and you're so welcome. But have you met him yet? See, maybe like Alpha, as I said, like Moses, he's looking at the bush poking it as it were have a look at this and suddenly whoa is God speaking to me so what, what are we to do well inquire investigate Paul writes to Timothy says consider these things the Lord will give you understanding our responsibility yeah inquire don't walk away don't get as close as this and walk off don't come and be part of this. Don't come to Alpha or this or that and have a look and they say, oh, that was interesting, and I'll push off. No, no, don't. Don't. Look closer. Why does this burn? Why are these people like this? What is it? Why are they so happy? Why? Are they, what's going on here? Look, investigate and listen. Listen for that moment when you suddenly know God's speaking to me suddenly it's God. It's more, it's more than human logic. It's more than this... You're having this conversation and you suddenly think, wow, this is true. He's really... I can know Him. And you step into this new world. You can do that this morning. You step into this new world. You come to know Him for yourself. Maybe you're just trying to serve the cause. Maybe like Moses, your parents were committed to these truths and you've kind of muddled along, trying to serve the cause, trying to do the good thing. God wants you for Himself. He doesn't want you just to serve the cause, He wants you to say, I'm yours and you are mine. I love that song we just closed with. We just stand here, arms raised, heart abandoned. We're just here for you, Lord. We're here for you. I want want to know you better. I want to understand you more. It may not be a burning bush. It may not be that dramatic. But there is a moment of encounter that switches everything on. That changes everything. And it comes from God to you personally. When you know you're called. And then for the rest of your life you're still asking this question, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? I'm not a young man anymore, but I just finished a book yesterday called The Man Christ Jesus about the Incarnation. I thought I learned. i mean, two of the chapters. I thought, wow, I never thought of it like that before. So I don't feel myself like, oh, I've got all this sorted. I need to sort you people out now. I don't think of it. I just don't want to know more. I want to know you. Paul said this towards the end of his life. Not that I've already attained. I'm pressing on that I might know him. If you want to follow, do. But I want to, I'm after him. I want to know him. That should be the mark. That should be our desire. But it's a constant, I can know more. Great is the mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. Wow. What does that mean? How did he do it? How did he live this life? Be fascinated with him. Be captivated. I can know more. I can learn more. Who do you say I am? Come on, let's get to know him better. Let's press on. Let's be taken up with him. Let's cherish his presence. The more we understand him, the more we'll commend him to others. The more we're fascinated with him, the more we'll make him known. Moses then is going to start the journey now. So we've seen some of the preliminaries. He had a good choice in his heart. We've seen that he messed up. Most of us do. Most of us do. With the best will, we get it wrong. And today, God is a God of the second chance, really. He's saying, come on. I've, I've seen your heart. I know what you wanted. It's been a long wait. But I've never had my eye off you. That's what God would say to us this morning. I've never had my eye off you. I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Let's stand to pray. Father, we're so amazed that you're willing to to have the name I am the God of Abraham I'm the God of Isaac I'm the God of Jacob I'm the God of Elijah I'm the God of Moses And we thank you that you you want us to know you personally And yet you want to reveal yourself as I am I am everything you need I'm everything you need. You need courage at the moment? I'm here for you. You need confidence in me that I can rebuild what seems destroyed? I'm here for you. You need confidence I can live a clean life? I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You want confidence that that I can satisfy you? Will God be enough for me? I mean, I've been to university. My mind's got extended. I've got so many fresh ideas. Is God going to be enough? I mean, is it just boring religion? Is God enough? Is He really enough? Yeah, He's enough more than you ever dreamed. Is He enough for our marriage? Can He he help us? We're having such problems. Yeah, He's enough. He really is enough. Won't you come to Him this morning? just express your confidence in him again Lord Jesus I ask you to bless every one of us here that we might hugely benefit from the grace you want to show us that we might walk into all the goodness you've ordained for us let your word do us good we pray keep on blessing us as a people thank you so much thank you for time together with the guys thank you for this incredible gift thank you so much for every person you tapped on the shoulder so come on we're in this together thank you so much lord thank you for what you're doing amongst us thank you for the journey we're on now lord keep gripping us keep moving us into your purposes we pray in jesus name amen